Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hear Me See Me podcast is sponsored by Zenoti, the number one cloud software for salons and spas. Because when people feel good, they find their greatness. I am Stuart Roberts, and I'm really excited to introduce my new podcast, Hear Me See Me. It's just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. I'd had this idea after being inspired by a guy in America I'd seen cutting hair on the streets and seeing the difference it made to the guys who were there. This is more than a job, this is a calling. Hello, this is Stuart from Hear Me See Me podcast, and today I've got a wonderful guest, um, and through my ignorance, I thought she was in Australia, but she's in <laughs> Lancashire, okay. No, not Lancashire, where are we? Lancashire, yeah. Lancashire, yeah, you're right. Lancashire. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Lancashire. Never rely on me to get anything right, but um, today uh, I'm, I'm introducing the owner and founder of Zero Gap magazine, Ruby, how are you doing? I'm very, very well, thank you. And it's actually Lancaster, UK. So, yeah, I've got the same weather as you. Yeah. So, looking out the window, we're all on the same planet here, Stuart. Yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. Yeah. Um, it's safer for me just to say that we're, um, we're all from planet Earth because I won't mess it up there. Yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's the way forward, <laughs> definitely. Right. Well, what we do, uh, we're going to talk about Zero Gap magazine. But mm-hmm. before that comes about, because it's a relatively new publication, I'm really, it's really cool, and we've got some links to that, which we'll come on to. But I want to take you back, Ruby. So, you know, take me back to the young Ruby. What, what happened or, you know, what inspired you to go into barbering? Right, okay. Well, I tell you, the young Ruby was, yeah. um, the young Ruby was at school. Right. Um, and was absolutely obsessed with um, coming home and going up in, in my bedroom, making collages right. of hair, haircuts, catalogues, anything I could cut up that my mum would go absolutely crazy about because I was cutting all her catalogues up. Um, and I've got all these male models in there and I've got all these haircuts and I put them all together and make all these collages. And I was very, very artistic at school. And I come from a family of um, artists. So um, uh, my cousin, who is a very, very big artist in Baltimore in America, um, and another artist, uh, uncle of mine, who was a big landscape artist, um, in uh, in the UK, so I've always been quite artistic, and I was umming and ahhing, and really from the age of six, all I wanted to do was be a bobby. I wanted to be a copper. That's all I wanted to do. Did you? And um, yeah, absolutely. And my mum dragged me to the PlayStation, got in with the PlayStation, and she said, "You know, my daughter, she really wants to be a copper. She's, you know, could you give her some information and some insight?" And I sat there, and, and at the time, I think female officers 
had to be about five six. There was no way I was going to make reach that, Stuart. I'm, I'm five foot wet through even now. Um, there was no way I was going to make that, but I was still I was still on that. You know, that's still what I wanted to do. And then at eleven years of age, Yvonne Fl- Fletcher got shot. First policewoman that was shot, and I kind of it knocked me a bit. So I was humming and ahhing, and I was fascinated with the night sky, and I was fascinated with astronomy, and I thought, I'm going to be an astronomer. Um, and that was one kind of uh, journey that I, that, that I went down. And then as I got older, I was obviously doing art at school, and I was doing all these collages. And I just turned around to my mum one day, and I said, I think I want to go into hairdressing. And she said... Really? So I said, yeah, I I think I do. So while I was at school, my mum had been over to a big hairdressing company at the time, and we're going back in the 80s, and it was a group called the John English Hairdressing Group, and there were were about 16, 18 salons, and they were quite a, a big group in the time, and they had all these different ones called the Head Gardener across the northwest. My mum had gone in, in a wisdom, into uh, the salon in Sale in Manchester, gone and had a word with them, said that I was really, really interested. So they said, let bring her in, you know, bring her in on an evening, um, see what she thinks, we'll show her around, we'll give her, you know, uh, we'll have a chat with her, we'll give her some demonstration, she can stand and watch us and see how, you know, what she thinks. Oh, brilliant. So she comes home, tells me, and I'm like, yes, oh, this is brilliant, blah, 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 blah. So I'm 15, and I left school when I was 15 because my birthday fell just after um, I left. And I went to the head gardener in sale, and I fell in love with it. And I thought, this is where I'm going. And I signed up, and it was a YTS, Stuart. Well, I remember them, yeah. Yeah. It was a YTS. It was a three-year youth training scheme, and I was in. That was it. So as soon as I left school, I'd already got a job. So I was going in on Saturdays, and I was shadowing and looking at the shampooing and the cutting and the colouring and the perming and, you know, everything that they were doing. So then when I actually finally got my leaving date and I left school, I was straight in then full time. Yeah, yeah. And so I was in sale, and then I wanted to move to the Altrincham Salon because it was better opportunities there for me. It worked a little bit different. So I went over to the Altrincham Salon, but they had their own in-house training. So I was salon-based all the way through the week, apart from a Monday. And on a Monday, this little minibus used to rock up at the salon on a Monday morning and pick all the students up and take us to Hamley in Stoke-on-Trent. And that's where the college was. So I'd walk, run in, excited as anything. And I did my first competition, which was with all salons, full 18 salons. And there was about four, five YTS to each salon. So we're talking about a fair few. And there was a company at the time called Jingles in London. I remember. And, uh, yeah, and they were judging the actual competition. And I won. I got hairdresser of the year. Did you? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, my first year, a trainee hairdresser of the year. So that was a, that was a massive thing for me. And, and my 
educator at the time said to my mum, she's very, very gifted. She's, you know, very talented, got a, you know, very, comes naturally to her. Um, I fell out of it. I fell, I fell out of hairdressing. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I fell out of hairdressing through selling. So people were coming in for a haircut or, yeah. or perming or I'm shampooing and I'm, they're walking out that door with £20 worth of kit yeah. in the 80s. And it's more than the haircut was. Yeah. And I was getting first in all the sales out of all the salons. Yeah. And the area manager came down to the, the salon and she said to me, have you ever thought about a career in sales? And I said, no. Uh, you know, so she said, I think you should. For some strange reason, I don't know why, but I fell into that role. And so from the age of 19, I fell into, I'd finished my training and I fell into a marketing role in sales and marketing role at 19. And within six months, I was promoted to a team leader of 18 staff. Really? Um, and I just absolutely rocketed. So I was in publishing and I've been in publishing and marketing and advertising for 28 years. Right. Um, and I've worked with all the blue chips that you can imagine. And I've done all the journals and all the publications. And that was where, you know, obviously my drive was going on to zero got. Um, but that was my kind of journey. And then it leads me back because, and I'm being totally, totally honest with you. When you're working for blue chips and you're working in that kind of stressful industry, yeah, it's very, very target, very driven. It's high. We're talking like when you see the wall of wolf, the wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, yeah. I, I ain't kidding. I, I, I ain't. I, yeah, I'm not kidding you. That that is me. Yeah, that that's what I've done. That's my environment. That's where I'm from. And it's all fast paced and it's ringing the bell and it's, you yeah. know, got a deal. Yeah, it, you know, it's all, it is really true. It is like that. And as I've got older, to maintain that, I wouldn't say enthusiasm, that's not the right word, but to maintain that motivation yeah. on a consistent as you get older. Yeah. And that's not because you lose interest in what you're doing. But that's more a case of other things come into place. Other things yeah. take more of a precedent, I suppose, in life. And you're getting older and you naturally don't have that motivation and drive. And you don't. Yeah. And things change. So I enjoyed my hairdressing, Stuart, so much. It was like, well, what am I going to do? I want to I wanna finish off somewhere. Yeah. But I want to actually enjoy what I'm doing now. So I thought, I loved cutting hair, absolutely loved it. And I was, you know, I, I worn the comp and had the buzz off that and, and, and I love creating. And I thought, what? I want to go back and cut hair, but I don't want to perm. I don't want to perm. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to do colors. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to do women's hair. Um, I thought, I know, I want to do men's hair. So I went into barbering and that's kind of, the full circle um, that I did and I went and trained and my training had already got a massive advantage because of obviously the hairdressing. Um, But it was, it was still a challenge because cutting men's hair is different, different techniques. 
you know, it's different positioning. And then you've also got, which is very heavily associated with barbering, and it is, and it's the clicker work. And the clicker work is not that focused as a hairdresser. So when you're looking at all your fancy clipper work and your clipper overcome and your clipper ear and your fade and your skin fades, I mean, come on, you know, we're talking at a different level. And we're talking skillful. We're talking a real, real skill to master it. And the more of a challenge something is for me personally, yeah. the more the more heavily I'm focused. It's like, no, you're not gonna beat me. You're not. No, you're not, you're not. <laughs> skin fade took me a year, Stuart. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it took it's, me a year. A whole different level of uh, it's a oh yeah, its own. Yeah, yeah. It, it was, a, and you know what is sad, um, and going off a little bit on the beaten track here. But what does sadden me is, I mean, I did my qualification with VTCT, right. um, who were fantastic, and then so you've got your city and guilds MVQs, you've got your VTCT as the awarding bodies. Okay. Um, I wanted to go down the VTCT route because I wanted to be specifically barbering. I didn't want to do city and gills because that was hairdressing and barbering yeah. before you get to level two. Yeah. And I didn't want that. I didn't need that. I wanted to go straight into my, my level two, into the barbering. But what is really sad, and I do think it, I hope that it's going to change. I was in a conversation with students at Dundee and Angus College about yeah. a week and a half ago. Uh, doing a, 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 a team's meeting with those guys, a bit of a motivational talk, really, to yeah. keep the peckers up because yeah. of COVID and then not being able to to actually study with a, a physical head in front of them. You know, everything's been online for the last 12 months and it's frustrating. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, the, the, the skin fade is not taught. No. It is not taught. And when you're looking at the most popular haircut, yeah. at the moment it's it's a haircut that brings the most money in yeah it's the most skillful and it's the hardest cut for a barber yeah um and the most time consuming cut as well yeah and it's not taught not taught so that's just my little whinge anyway on that but uh yeah so that's how i came into barbering that was my full circle yeah what well, well, how long ago was that training when did you do that training my barbering? Yeah. Um, six years ago now, so I've been barbering six years. Yeah. Um, yeah that's a big change, isn't it, to come out of that corporate life and then go into barbering training. I mean, I've heard it a lot before, but, yeah. uh, you know, it's a big old step, isn't it? It's a massive step. Financially, it's a big step. Yeah, yeah of course. Because, yeah, massively. <laughs> uh, because, obviously, you know, financially-wise, I've always been, you know, it's always been massive security because I've always earned really good money and what, what I've been doing. Um, however, not taking, the, you know, if I was, if you were to say to me, Ruby, would you have any regrets? Would you change anything in what you've done career-wise? I would say, Stuart, 150% no. Because the hairdressing has given me a ladder to the barbering yeah and the publishing and the advertising and marketing and the sales aspect has given me a huge ladder to working with people yeah. understanding people being able to liaise with people being able to communicate with people and i'm talking people from a ceo of a blue chip company right down to the cleaner 
yeah. and being able to communicate at all sorts of different levels with all sorts of different manner of life and background, ethnicity, yeah. sexuality, yeah. gender, whatever, okay, that has given me a massive ladder up and that spills over into my barbering. Yeah, of course. Because there is, there's a, you do a, a haircut, okay, and you do a great haircut. Now, I've seen, I've seen some people go to a barber and it's, it, it's, it, it's an average haircut. From a barber looking in, it's an average haircut. But what's important is that that client in that chair, he's happy with it. Mm. He is happy with the way that that person has cut his hair. And he's walking out of there and he's a happy chappy. And the thing is, what it is, and it's with anything in life, it's people buy people. Yeah. Don't matter what your product is. People buy people. I love that one. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter what your product is, yeah. what you are selling, what you got going. If that person likes you, yeah. they are going to come back and they're going to buy off you. Even if it's just... Even if they walk away and they go in the mirror and they look at the hair and go, mm, there's a bit of a line there that wasn't there last time he cut it or yeah. she cut it. But they'll be like that, oh, it doesn't matter. Yeah. And they, you'd be surprising how much they'll brush it off yeah. and actually still come back to you. Yeah. Because they like you and they, they like your chat, they like your bounce, they like your personality, they like where you're from, what, what you're coming from, you connect. You might have something in common with each other that you can have a a natter about. So where my career is concerned and what I've been done, and like you've just said then, what a jump, you know, from the corporate world into the barbering world. I think if I'd never been in the hair industry, it would be a massive, it would be even more of a tug, you know, to make that jump. Yeah, yeah. Like I say, yeah, I had the foundation to it, uh, which made that step a lot easier because I know what I knew what to expect. Because the hair industry is very, very different. And I'm talking like people, you know, people, the industry, the catty, it's, you know, there's a lot of that that goes about. There's a lot of competition, um, as you would expect. Um, and it's a competition that's very different than in my industry in marketing and sales and advertising. And that is competitive, but it's a completely different type of competition. Yeah. Um, do you think it's to do with egos? Do you think it's, it's I don't know, um, there's something, there is that fundamental difference, isn't there? Because you can't say both industries are competitive. Both are, yeah. It's almost like that sort of personality thing. It's, yeah, I think the personality seems to be so much bigger in hair and barbering. I t- I, do you know why I think that is? Or this is, it, I, I mean, I can't say this is a fact. No. You know, it's, it's, it's my opinion. But looking at that, when you look at two competitive industries and the way that they work and the different types of character, and I think it's about when you've got a head in front of you, and you are doing a haircut, you are putting your personality onto that head. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So your your personality and your character and your creativity is being displayed on that person's head who's walking around with your cut on them. Yeah. 
With regards to the marketing type of industry, when you strike a cracking deal, and believe me, when I walked away from Leeds and Bradford Airport, having walked in on a cold call and coming out with a £48,000 order, yeah. okay, was an achievement. Yeah. Um, and when I get all the office and all the staff and all the company going, how on earth have you just managed to pull that off? <laughs> you know, the fact is that when you can... That would that that strokes my ego. That stroked my ego because they have pulled it off. Yeah. I mean, I'm humble. I'm humble though. Yeah, so yeah. Don't yeah. get the wrong impression. I'm humble. I'm no. down with. I don't, I don't see it like that. But it was an achievement. I was proud. Yeah. It was an achievement on what I'd done. But the difference in being a barber and pulling something like that off, and being in a marketing position, I think is purely and simply. Because it's more of a physical aspect. It's something that you yeah. can see. Yeah. So it's, it's like when, yeah. you know, when the lad goes out and he goes out and he's rocking it with his mates and he's got his yeah. new skinny jeans on, he's got, he, he's got his All Saints t-shirt on, he's yeah. rocking his shades <laughs> and he's got a top dollar fade on his yeah. head. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Mr. Bobby Daz, Mr. Bobby Davro, yeah, Mr. Barber. <laughs> He's, he's like, yes, look at that I've just pulled off. Look at that fade, man. Yeah, it's sick. And oh. he's taking pictures all over and sending it out everywhere. So I think it's more that, really. I think, yeah, and you hit on something there, that maybe it's about that we are, it, it, it's personal. You know that thing about, it's, yeah. don't make it personal. It's only business. And maybe there's that thing in our, I mean, we've got some fantastic business people in our yeah. industry. But having yeah. said that, there's that, always that element of it being personal, and maybe that's the difference, yep. as you said, because you, you're putting your because we're laying hands on people, which I find in what I do, and the connections are different. It's not pure business, is it? It's always no. going to have that element of personal in it. Well, the thing is, because what it is is a mixture, isn't there? Because it's it's when you're dealing with this, when you're dealing with hair, it's corporate and domestic. Yeah. You're dealing with both aspects. Yeah. So you've got the commercial aspect, which is the shop and yeah. the business, but then you're dealing with the domestic. You're dealing with Joe Joe Bloggs on the street. Yeah. And that's and that's the level of it. When you're in more of a marketing and advertising, you're in a very corporate field. You're not dealing with domestic. You're, you're business to business. Yeah. You're not you're not you're not B to C. Yeah. You yeah. know you you B to B. Um yeah. and, and, and 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 yeah. So <clears throat> yeah. And it's, your, uh, your um, timing was interesting as well because you say six years. That's around the time, if I remember rightly, that barbering did add that. Because to be fair, it's had a world resurgence. Barbering has just had this massive lift off in the last decade. Um, Coffee shop which, boom. Yeah, which, which yeah. was probably like around the time that you went back into it. Yeah, yeah. So for me... Um, it, it's you know it, it's been amazing really for me because I've I'm I'm right into the thick of it you know and mm. um, I went into it did my training but like I say because of my background and the foundation of it I I, I actually I, I just shot through the VTCT yeah cool um, you know and and I, when I first came in as well because where I trained I trained in the company called TPG Education in Manchester. And they've got um, a hairdressers and they've got a barbershop and they've got the education. 
So when you're doing your VTCT, you're actually in the shop as well, which is brilliant. Yeah. You're not, you're getting, you've got a proper shop feel. Mm. So you've got clients coming in, you know, you, you're there. And when I first came in, the owner had been told by one of the M- the MVQ assessors that, you know, or Ruby's here and she's got, you know, she's done hairdressing before and blah, blah, blah. And the MVQ assessor said, right, there's a head, a model head. Cut it. I want to see what you did do, whereabouts you are, what level you're at. Because mm. I always kept my hand in with mm. the hairdressing. So I'd cut partner's hair, mm. you know, and things like that. Um, so I always kept a little bit in and my hand in it. And uh, so I cut it and she just went, right, okay. And she had a word with the, the guy who owned it and he came and sat and watched me. Um, and then he came up to me and he said, I'd really be interested in you working in the shop right. um, quite quickly. Really. Yeah. So yeah. as I was doing my training, still doing my training, I'd go and work with him mm. and another MVQ assessor on a Friday. And he gave me my own chair. Right. And he advertised, he advertised for models. Yeah. He sat me down and he said, that's your chair advertise for your own models i'll help push your models model your way yeah getting here on a friday and at the time i was working as well that's crazy i was paying for, i was paying for my course right yeah so i was still in my corporate job right and then i'd go there on a friday i'd finish yeah. work i'd go there on a friday evening and i'd got my chair i got my models in and i'd do my shift until eight half eight nine o'clock yeah and then walk out you know and then it went to a saturday so I was doing more in the shop and then learning me fading. That's where oh. I needed to go with it. Ruby, you're you know, so lucky. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you what, I am, aren't I? <laughs> That's what, it's that funny thing, isn't it? A bit, oh, aren't you lucky? Like, you created your own luck there, didn't you? You know, there's, it's always like, you know, the people who get on and the people who just, you know, you're still willing to work, you're willing to pay for your own education, you're willing to then go in after time and Saturday. These things are never an accident, are they? You know? No, you've got to make it happen, Stuart. Yeah, yeah. If you want something, you've yeah, got to make it you've happen. You've got to really go for it. I'm still trying to instill that to my kids as well. And they all, yeah, yeah. They are, it works because they're all grafters, you know, and, and, that, and you don't get anything for nothing. Nothing's handed no. out like. And often, you don't. Uh, uh, you know, you have, and you have to be flexible because the, the path changes, doesn't it? So you yeah, it does, up, absolutely. You know, I'm prepared to do that. You've brought yeah. up something as well that I'm a bit, I don't, I don't like to do, I don't like to be negative about it, but it's a reality, is that pre, pre-lockdown, I mean, obviously things have changed in education, but pre-lockdown, I was, I was coming across a lot of our volunteers who had done that, who had invested their own money in courses with certain academies, there's so many, uh, that had come to me to volunteer who had passed their qualification and couldn't hold a pair of clippers. Yeah. You know, and I, there, there's, you know that's got to be addressed because there's, there's people out there, and particularly I always think of this, this, this woman comes to mind, a lovely woman, still volunteers with me, um, and who's not in the greatest financial position, who spent money she couldn't afford to spend, and then when she yeah. done her first haircut with me, I literally had to like, get her down from back to square one and go, look, hold yeah. your clippers like this, do it like this, try this, try yeah. this. You, you know, she absorbed it. 
but she was qualified on their qualification and that, that's not right. There's a lot of this going on. No, and, and the thing is, unfortunately, there are a lot of academies and we're talking like just people who can cut, yeah? They're, yeah. they're time-served barbers, yeah. okay? They can cut um, and then they open up a, a, an academy so yeah. they go on the business aspect. So they might have... I don't know. I mean, they might have a, a business acumen, all right, about yeah. them. They set up an academy because they think, yeah, I can teach. And I'll get some other barbers in who, who I know, and they can teach. Problem is with that is a lot of barbers are not qualified anyway, even no. barbers that are out there. Yeah. A lot of barbers haven't done any education side so they've not even done the theory side they've not even they don't even know half of what half the contraindications are on a head yeah Yeah. okay um and this is if you're a time served barber it it doesn't mean to say that you can't cut hair and it doesn't mean to say that you can't get on and that you can't have a shop and that your clients don't like you because we're going back here again with regards to people by people and you can get on in life doing that but if we're coming down to the nitty-gritty of the educational side of it, and when you are in a position where you are teaching someone, you are basically transferring that skill to another human being, to another person that they're going to take and carry that with them to somebody else. Mm. And you've got to be able to do that right. And there are formalities in place. You have got to do a layer you have got to know what a box cut is. You have got to know what even how to cut long hair. Come on, guys. Mm. You know, there are guys coming in now who have got long hair. They will have mean, haven't they? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also, Stuart, look at the mullet. Look yeah, at the mullet. Yeah. Man, it's coming yeah? oh, The God. mullet has come back. You cannot just square <laughs> the side of the head and down the back of the ear, section yeah. it, and just clip of that square bit and then hope for the best and think that looks like a mullet. That's <laughs> not the proper way to cut a mullet. So a lot of guys in barbering, they're brilliant and so, so very gifted with the clipper. Yeah. yeah? yeah. But they can't use shears. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And there, and there is that. And I think the old thing comes down to it here is that the reason why and the problem and the big problem where I see it is that you have got academies that are not doing things correctly. Yeah. Um, you've got barbers that are coming out of academies that can't really cut properly yeah. and they're definitely coming out and can't do a skin fade. Yeah. Yeah. So when someone comes to you as, as an interview in your shop, and they say, what skills have you got? Because a lot of them now will say, I need a level two, minimum level two. Mm. Some of them now are saying minimal level three plus five years. Mm. So, And the thing is, because they need to have that all-round skill set. So barbers are now becoming, it's going to get to a stage where it's going to become really, really difficult as a barber coming out of education if that education isn't right. And that is because, and my problem that I think it is, is because the barbering industry as a whole is not, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
it's 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 not it's not accredited like the hairdressing industry. Mm. Listen, at the end of the day, now you cannot apply for a hairdressing job if you haven't got your certificates. Mm. If you haven't done your three-year MVQ and you've got all your portfolio of your colouring, your perming, your long layers, your this, your bob, you 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 know you you you. you 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 thinning, you scissor overcombing, yeah. you whatever. If you haven't got all that to go to a, a hairdresser's, you ain't going to get the job. Mm. You can't just walk into a hairdresser's and get a job as a qualified hairdresser. You can't. But in this industry, you can do it as a barber. Yeah. You can just go to your mate's barber shop for twelve months, learn how to hold your clippers, do some clipper work, bit of a general scissor job. And then say you've worked in a barber shop for twelve months and go to another one. It's regulation. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. The industry's not regulated. No. And that's it, the problem. Great hairdressing isn't, you know, to a degree, mm. because um, yeah. it's all about. There's a big move for state registration. Um, yeah. It's so different here, like to the US. You know, like, yeah. you can't just go and get a job. You have to no. have. You have to be a registered. Um, you know, cosmetologist or all, the, all these. Yeah, it has to right. be registered to go and get that yeah. job. Which, yeah. to be honest, you know, there's nothing stopping, you know, like, you know, anyone just opening up a salon or anyone opening you know up what I mean? a Well, they are been doing you know, that, haven't and, they? And, and that's what they're doing. And, and yeah. you know, it, it's all that thing. And I've got a big thing about this that we all say about we're not taken seriously. Hairdressers are not taken seriously. Barbs are taken seriously. But there's an element yeah. of that we've got to start taking ourselves seriously. You know, so yeah. we've got to push for our own registration, our own education. Correct. You know, part of the responsibility comes back on us, I think. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I personally do not think that when you are starting to learn as a barber, and this is certainly something, even with me and the background that I had in my hairdressing, I mean, fair enough, I've been out of it a long time, mm. um, and then went straight back into my barbering and even leaving with a level two. I'm not kidding you. Okay. I've come out, and this is the honest truth. I'll share it with you. I've not shared it with anyone else. Um, but I actually came out of my level two. Okay. Okay. All right at fading. Not too bad. Only because I'd had that experience because I pushed myself in the shop. But to go out into my own arena in another shop, someone else's shop, and be on my own um, took some, some nerve. And a guy took me on in Lancaster and he said to me, let me have a look what you can do. And I shown him and he went, okay, no problem. He said, you, you, you need to, you, these bits and pieces you need to learn. Um, tremendous barber. He is tremendous barber. And, um, I said, yeah, okay, no problem. Blah, blah, blah. He said, well, you know, I'm willing to pay you 10 pound a day. And I said to him, I'll do it. And I dropped my job. I, I left my job. Um, and fortunately for me, and it's not always easy for everybody, but fortunately for me, my partner had a very good job mm. um, as a, a police officer. So it was, um, I had the support, the financial support, and not everybody has that. But I went into this shop for £10 a day. 
and he had two shops and he used to come to the shop because I was in the shop, one of the shops on my own. So because of my marketing background and yeah. everything, I helped that shop. I helped build him up and brought yeah. all the clients in and brought, built up that side of the business. And he was grateful for that. Yeah, sure. And I, I was doing cuts and then he started to see people coming back and he turned around and he said, okay, no problem. I'll go 50-50 with you. Yeah. But I, it was like, I had to, I was there for at least about four or five months on 10 quid a day. Yeah. And I stuck to it and I didn't have things, you know, I mean, I had the support with the paying for the bills and the mortgage and things like that. But I didn't go out buying myself clothes or going out or anything yeah. like that. I didn't have those luxuries because I wasn't earning my own money. Um, and, and But I was like, well, this is what I want to do. And if this is where I have to go, and if this is what I have to do in order to, for somebody to look at me and go, yeah, you're all right, you. Yeah. You know, you can work for me. You know, um, and in, in order to get where I am now, six years later, where I, the guy that I work with is like looking up to me yeah. and it's his shop. <laughs> That's great, isn't it? You know, and and he's, he messaged me the other day and he went, mate, can you do a flat top? And I went, yeah, why? And he went, someone's asked if I can do a flat top and I can't do them. <laughs> and I went, no worries, let him know to book in with me it's not a problem yeah. and and I think that you know to, to come like that you've got to make those sacrifices but you've actually got to be self aware yeah and you should not try and think you're the mutts nuts when you're not the mutts nuts <laughs> yeah because you you, you, you you're not you're not sure do you know what I mean you're not if you've if you've just walked out of barbering college, okay, or yeah. or an academy, yeah. or, and not really an academy, yeah. I always say to people, if you're going to train to be a barber, do it through VTCT or City and Guilds. Yeah. Don't go, don't you know? Don't, don't try if it's a really good academy and yeah. they're offering VTCT, go for it. Yeah. yeah, but if they're not, and they've got yeah. their own little flouncy piece of plaque or paper, yeah. forget it. You know, because it's not, it's not worth the paper it's written on, and it's not. Um, get yourself in a shop when you're doing your training. If you're doing a city and girls, like, for example, the students I was talking to, you're doing a city and girls, you, you've got, like, maybe two years. Okay, so if you're doing that or you're doing it a year, right, okay, well, get yourself in a shop. Get yeah. yourself in a barber shop and Absolute start shadowing. Pattern. Yeah, looking. Get it. Seeing. Get on it. Just get on it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is what you want to do. This is what you want to do. Don't just rely on sitting there in an evening because you're bored, mm. getting on YouTube and looking at a few cuts because that's got, not going to do anything. Mm. Once you've got the foundation in barbering, YouTube's great because yeah. you've got an understanding. Once you've got an understanding of hair and using your clippers and what you're actually doing, as in the basic foundations, YouTube tutorials are phenomenal yeah. because you've already got that understanding. You can't just sit there and go, what's he doing that for? What yeah. is she doing that for? Oh, I'll try that. Well, you're trying something, but you don't actually understand why you're trying it. Yeah. What's that about? So for me, it's straight up. It's get yourself in a shop 
if you're training, get yourself out there, get yourself in a shop, get on a Saturday job, even if they're not paying you. They might pay you 10 quid or whatever, whatever. Doesn't matter. Get in, start shadowing, watch them. Yeah. And then and then get get in there on a regular basis and then say to them, if they have a late night in the shop, or can you recruit your own models? And what you do then is you open up your own Facebook page, which is what I did. Yeah. As a student barber, open up your own Facebook page and yeah. start doing your own advertising and get your own models in. Being responsible from Korea. Correct. Get your models mm. in that chair. And even if it's your mates and, yeah. and, the, and your mates are coming in for nothing or you're actually advertising and you might want to say, I'm a student barber, here's some of my pictures, you've got them on your Facebook page and I'm doing a cut for five quid. Yeah. People will come to you. Yeah. You know, three quid, whatever you want to, yeah, people yeah. will come yeah. to you. Yeah. And you get, you're getting used to talking to people. You're getting used to them sitting in your chair, gowning them up, yeah, it's surprising yeah. how many barbers go, student barbers go to pieces with putting neck tape on and yeah. getting the gown right and putting clipping it right. Yeah. Never mind about getting a pair of clippers in the in the hands, you know. Yeah. Um, and that's the only way to do it. You've got to, yeah. you've got to use both. It's got to be both theory, and it's got to be practical as well. Yeah. And both elements are key to each other. And yeah. without them, you know, without them, you you're not got a cat. We're not got a fat in hell's chance. And for young people, not wait for it to come to you. You, you can't wait for it. You can't wait for it to come to you. But in, you know, in life, in my experiences, we do get opportunities, and we yeah. do get we do stumble across opportunities. Yeah. But again, it's about being self-aware, and it's about going. Oh look, there's an opportunity. Am I going to take it, or am I going to walk past it? Um, and how many people walk past it? Well. Yeah, there we go. And then all, and then look back 10 years later and go, huh, I had an opportunity once of being the CEO for Jaguar, but I just ignored it at the time. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, get on it. You know, if an opportunity comes, get on it for one, yeah. even if it's not for you. The experience will be for you somewhere down the line from that, from whatever you've gone into. And then the other one is make your own opportunities. It's, there's, that's something I've believed on for quite a long time, you know, uh, for, well, for many years, actually. I've been doing it since the late 90s, one of these many courses I went on, motivational courses and all the things. Yeah, I've yeah, yeah. All. But one of the ones, Yeah, all, all of them, yeah. <laughs> one of the yeah. great ones was that about that thing of it's not only good enough to have goals, you've got to have written goals, and it's yeah. not only good enough to have written goals, you must look at them every day, you know. Yeah. And that... What that does, that then, um, that then reinforces your your sight, um, your um, the back of your mind to opportunities because yeah. the, when so when they do come, it's in your in your subconscious to recognise it, you know, yeah. so that because you've got to have that focus, you've got to sort of know yeah. where you're going. If you if, if you if you're on a ship, you need you need to have a map to know where you're going. Otherwise, you're going to yeah. go round in circles and that's yeah. that thing which leads me on brilliantly to like you know I wondered how it happens but your story it couldn't end up anywhere else apart from you setting up a magazine but your timing who <laughs> who would have done that in the middle of a worldwide pandemic 
you know. Me. But now I know, <laughs> now I'm learning, learning about Ruby. He's <laughs> no shock to me. So tell me, there like, you, go. you got so the world shut down, and you thought yep. I'm going to launch a worldwide magazine. <laughs> so yeah, where did that spark come from? <laughs> well, basically, I mean, you know, obviously, my background yeah. uh, now uh, with the publishing side of it, and I'm a barber. I'm a female barber, lady barber, or yeah. just a barber, whatever you want to call it. And I'm looking around me and obviously I'm on with, you know, I'm on the barber groups, I'm on the Facebook groups, I'm on the Instagram pages, you know, I'm talking to barbers, I'm meeting other barbers, I'm working with other barbers. And I'm looking around me and going, something's amiss here, something's amiss. And there are publications out there for the barbering industry. Mm. Uh, few and far between, really. Uh, you'd think there'd be more, to be honest, but there aren't. Um, and they are they were still very, very male-dominated. Um, women have come up more and more um, as, as, as we're growing and developing and changing as the industry. You can see the industry slightly changing. And women have started to um, come up more in um, educational aspects. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to name drop um, Vicky at SB Academy. Tremendous academy, seriously. That woman was the first female educator to have an academy in the UK. And she is awesome. Awesome. And... Um, you see these little dots around women that are taking that little bit of a plunge, but not enough. And I started to have a look more into it, and I started to have a look at where we are figures-wise, statistically, yeah. um, and get some research going in order to do my homework on what, where we were going with this. And last year... The total population in the barbering industry, 44% were female, which is a massive amount of women. Yeah. And then I'm looking at one of the biggest barber competitions that takes place here in the UK. And just the one that happened before COVID, there was three women that entered. And I'm thinking, mm, what we're doing here? What we're doing? What's happening? It's becoming more acceptable from the guys, mm. from the traditional aspect of barbering, which yeah. was traditionally a male service. Yeah. Yeah. No taking that away. No. We're not taking that away. No. Um, but hair is hair, and barbering is still barbering. We're still called barbers, and women can cut hair. And they can do towel shaves, hot yeah. towel shaves, and they can do everything that a guy can do, okay? Yeah. And it's become more and more acceptable. There are still shops out there that will be men only. So they'll have men only working in the shop, and they will only deal with men. They still will not accept even females with short hair. That's another job, that. That's another area. 
because I also have another business as well, Stuart. So that's another complete different side. But that was, for me, I was like thinking something's amiss here. We've got 44, 44% of the population is women um, barbers, female barbers, out of the total number. Yet there's no platform, really. And you'd see the odd female dotted in a publication. And I thought, what's this about? Because male and wi- men and women are different, different species. And we've got different needs in a working environment. Mm. So you're in a male-dominated environment as a female barber, okay, and you say, for example, around the menopause. That really affects a woman in many, many different ways, Mm. psychologically, physically, mentally, And a lot of guys don't get that. They don't understand it. Some do. Some will look into it and read it because maybe the missus is going through it or whatever, or sister or mum or, you know, and some guys are really tuned into that. But there are a lot of guys that aren't. And that's not their fault. That's that's their choice. But that fact to a woman in an environment, in a male-dominated environment who's going through an an array of emotions... Mm needs something they need a platform they need to be understood and they need to this needs to be addressed and this has been addressed in my publication where i did a feature in the february issue which is on menopause in the workplace right and so when i agree interrupt you but you you're not going to get that in another publication are you you're not going to get see that's something that's just not going to get done it's not it's yeah. not. Yeah. And the thing is, is when I came about with this, I was on the understanding of, look, you know, I got nothing against men and I got nothing against the men in the industry. Some yeah. of them have, you know, but that's just people, not the yeah. industry. Yeah. Um, people, and, yeah. And, 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 but, but the fact is where I was concerned was I want to, I want to give, I want to provide something for women that's for them. Mm. that addresses the needs and it what addresses the needs and addresses the differences because you girls all right are being very brave okay and you're in a very male dominated environment not only are you working with men predominantly but mm. you're cutting predominantly men as well yeah so you've basically got men all around you all day every day and you're there having the chatter with the guys getting in on football, getting in on cricket, getting in on beer, getting in on the lads' night out, getting in on this, that and the other, when at the end of the day, all you're sat there in your head thinking about is, I'm having a hot flush. Right? Now, we're serious, Stuart. Do you know what I mean? We're sick. She's got a pair of scissors in her hand. Yeah? Yeah? Be careful, boys. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Don't you think the guy next to her, right, who owns the shop needs to know she's got a pair of scissors in her hand and she's having a hot flush? Because, you know, if you are going to employ women as a man, as a man yeah? yeah, you need to be aware. Yeah. You need to be aware. Okay. Yeah. And what about even 
on a personal side of things, and I don't want to go, go on to it too much, but obviously through menstrual cycle as well, yeah. Yeah. you'll go into a shop, into a barber shop, and because it's all men, well, they yeah. don't provide sanitary bins or anything like that. They don't because they're all yeah. men. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and right, you've got female, yeah, but you've yeah, got female staff. So this I, I, is, yeah. this, yeah, this is, yeah. this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to, yeah. A, raise the platform for female barbers. So I want to give them a voice, basically. Yeah. I want to give them a voice, stand up, show up, stand out, be yourself. Yeah. This yeah. is my motto. This is my ethos. Yeah. This is my mission statement. Yeah. Come out of your hole. And you know what you're doing now, and you're doing all these amazing cuts and these amazing long beards, and your skill, yeah, you're knocking loads of fellas out of the park. Yeah. And you and you are doing, don't sit there in your little corner, in your little shop. Don't do that. Come out and show the world what you're doing. Mm. Because then what you're also doing is you're doing two very important things. You're educating and you're inspiring. And you're doing those two very key factors to lots of other women in the world mm. who also are a bit nervous of coming out and showing off their work yeah. because they feel intimidated to do that. And yet the irony of it all is 44% of barbers are female. This is what I'm saying. So it's not, it's not a minority. It's no. just a minority... It on the surface, or, or yeah. the, the perception yeah. is the minority. It's the perception. is no minority. No, but it's up to almost 50% now. It's increased even more. And, and the thing is, is, is with that, is things need to, there is a platform that needed to put, be put in place, something that was going to, that women could go through the magazine and go, there's an article here on menopause in the workplace. Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and 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 it's like there's a helpline here and there's this and there's that and the other. It's like also, I mean, the publication, what I wanted to do is another part of me, I used to be a street dancer and I was a professional dancer for seven and a half years. Right. And um, so I was into street and hip-hop and uh Great dancing and all, all sorts of stuff. And I, I'm I kind of very much that theme and the barber theme fits mm. with that very, very well. And I wanted to 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 get my publication on that level. I wanted to jazz it up because the the some of the magazines are quite very straight laced. Um they're not they're not kind of a bit out there really. And I wanted to go out there because the barbers are going out there. Yeah. Um, and it's not just about it's not just about having haircuts in the publication. It's not just, you know, I'm raising the profile of all sorts of female barbers across the globe yeah. who were not on the platform as Pope and Pock and Hayden Cassidy. They're not. Yeah. They've not been spotted. They've not been given that opportunity. They're not out there, but I'm making them, I'm bringing them out there. I want them to be seen. I want their work to be seen. Yeah. And I'm giving them an opportunity to go in the publication and tell everybody their story mm. and show what they're up to. And that's what I want to do because I, I want to bring all the women out. That was, that's the aim of the publication. I want to, people to inspire other women, women that are thinking about going into barbering, might be a bit worried, might feel a bit intimidated. 
don't be. Don't be. There's something here for you. But and then it's not just about haircuts and it's not just about barbers and it's not just about um, the industry. I also have, I'm now working with um, four big clothing lines, Lovesick London, who are a, a very big clothing line, working in partnership with them now. Work with Granite Anchor Clothing, Dam 13 Clothing, and Refuse to Conform Clothing. Um, I'm also going to be working with the first female tattooist in the world. She's based in the States. Very, very famous lady. Um, and has actually taught Jeff Goldblum to tattoo. Right. Um, she started in 1971. And I'm working with her on some tattooing relationships between tattooists and barbers, yeah. which again is a, is a link there. Yeah. Definitely. So I'm working with these people as in, you know, providing people with clothes, you know, tattoos. Uh, we're looking at, we're looking at everything. We're looking at everything that, that, that a barber would be interested in. It's not just about a haircut. It's not just about bringing them, uh, out of the limelight and bringing them into the, the, the forefront of the industry. But it's about everything. It's providing everything. It's discussing needs, issues that women have. Just yeah. women. Just women as a whole, Stuart. Yeah. Separate so from men. Fundamental, it's about women barbers. That's, yeah. you know, it's just about, it's nothing. It's not bashing men. It's not oh. gender bashing at all. It's nothing to do with it. It literally is for that ba- that basis. Yeah. There is a there is a thing though that because um, I noticed, I mean I noticed the, that when it first started the resurgence of barbering and and, and the, you know the big boom in barbering, with it came almost like a um, like a rock and roll type attitude with it all. Yeah. But, so the very it was very as you say it was it was it was a very male dominated area. You know when I grew up it, the barber shop was a man's place and all of that. So yeah, I, of course, yeah. yeah. But this became a very laddish industry, a very, yeah. you know, um, skateboard the, industry. Yeah, and to the point to, to to the point of sometimes being, it was all right to be cool, but like to, it was almost like unprofessional. There was elements yep. of it that were very unprofessional. I sat, yep. sat very uncomfortably with me a lot of it, um, yep. and I had to be careful at the beginning with. You know, like when we was doing haircuts from us, there was things that just didn't sit right with it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because it was, it, yeah, it was very, some of it was very exploitative. I, I had a fantastic guest on the podcast early on because she's one of my team leaders from South End, mm-hmm. uh, Nicola, and she's, a, she's a, got her own barbershop. Um, and doing that podcast with her made me realise some of the absolute, like, really, really bad um uh, chauvinisms and that of towards yeah, the yeah. Part, you know like and there's yeah, yeah. sexualization there's all of these okay. things uh, yeah. but you get, you're gonna get when you have got a woman in a very male orientated and it's putting yeah. boundaries in isn't it it's like making yeah. sure that there's you know things that aren't acceptable well there are things that aren't acceptable and i mean come on i mean i've been into barber shops okay where i've walked through the door and they're all sat there smoking cannabis Right, listen, guys, right. what are you doing? You're at work, yeah, that's not acceptable. It's not a good environment. Yeah. Secondly, you've got kids sat in the chair and you're effing and jeffing all around the shop. Yeah. 
again, it's not professional. It's not right. Another thing is you've got your Spotify on. Excellent. We all like a bit of Spotify, okay? You like hip-hop tunes? Cool. No problem with it, with hip-hop tunes. But you know what? There's a button on there where you can turn off explicit lyrics. Yeah. Which means that when you got the kids in and the mums are sat there yeah. and you've got effing, effing, effing and everything going on. Yeah. So there is there is an element in barbershops, Stuart, that are terrible, that are horrific. Um, the, the, you know, that, that, that lower level. And I, I think that lower level has come in because... It's easy to get a shop. Yeah. It's easy to get a shop. And, you know, some of the young lads who have got shops, it's because the dad's got money. You know, he's got a restaurant. He's got he's got a takeaway. He's got something else. He can get hold of his shop premises. He's like, my lad just sat at home all day smoking or he's out at night with the lads. I want to give him something to do. I know what. I'll open him a barbershop, shove him in with such and such a bob that can get hold of a pair of clippers. ER, teach our Tommy, yeah, to, to cut a bit of air. I'm going to open him a shop because I'm sick of him lounging around at home, smoking or going out at night just doing nothing or, you know. And, 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 and that is what has happened in a lot of those places. These lads, it doesn't matter whether they're in a barbershop or not. They've not got the nous. They've not got... And sometimes, you know, Stuart, and it's sad, it's not their fault. No. It's not that it's not it's no. not their fault, you know, no. that they've not maybe had the education yeah. or they've not been shown that, you know, they've not had that upbringing. It's not their fault. They've been led astray, whatever. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's spilled over in the barbering industry because of this boom that we've had. You know, we've ju- we've just gone through coffee shop boom, barber boom. Yeah. You know. Um, it will slow out, it will slow down. But I do think if we can try and make it harder to get your qualifications yeah. and make sure that you have to do everything yeah. before you're allowed to leave your education to go out into the big wide world and get a job in a barbershop. Yeah. And if we can possibly do that somehow in the industry, I do believe a lot of these little things will fall off by the wayside because they're not going to be able, you know, they won't be able to manage it. Um, and we can get a, a more professional, a more professional industry. But even like going back there with the hip hop and the street dance and, and that kind of where I come from and, and, and that my background, which is, you know, I like that. It's my energy. Um, I want to have an element of that in the publication, but if you look in the publication, it's also professional as well. Professional, respectful. Absolutely, absolutely. It's not full of jargon, no. you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's just a case of that really, isn't it? Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's just getting the same old thing. We could go round in circles and come to the same root of the problem. Yeah. And unless that root is dealt with, it's just going to keep growing, isn't it? You know. I think this is where your publication's vital as well. Um, and, and also, like, you you know, we, we only come together uh, because you, you featured my Queen of the North, Jackie. Yeah, I did. I did. And, and I've been following you guys for a, for, a, for a while, actually, and this is outside of me doing the publication. Yeah. 
Um, and I've been looking and, 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 you know, watching what you guys do and just thought, you know, this is, this is an awesome, this is awesomeness. Because it's so, there are quite a number of barbers and that have done this. And I was looking at it as well on, with a guy that I worked with last year and we were going to do, we were going to go into Dean's Gate and yeah. we were going to lay out a load of cloth, a couple of chairs, and we were going to offer haircuts to the homeless out in Manchester yeah. on Christmas, at Christmas. And we had some things and changes and things developed with the company and the shop and everything at that particular point, but that we couldn't do that at that time. However, I was inspired to do that from looking at you guys. Yeah. And, you know, what you do is, is just phenomenal. And, Straight away, I was like, right, I'm going to get hold of these guys because I've got a platform here. And I like what you guys do, and I think it's brilliant, and I think it needs addressing more, and it needs putting out there more just how amazing you guys are. I truly mean that. I truly mean that. Not just because I'm on your podcast. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I do truly mean it from my heart. And... And I thought, right, I'm going to do something. And I contacted Lady of the North, old Jackie. And uh, I asked her how she'd think about, you know, having an article on on haircuts for homeless um, in the publication. And she looked at it and she went, that would be absolutely amazing. That would be amazing. And I said, well, it's just to, I think it's brilliant. I want to raise awareness. I want to get it out there uh, even more so. And because I'm a global publication as well, you know, I was also at the same time working with Jack Reed Foundation in Australia. Yeah. There's two girls out there who have now, they're raising a m- m- massive amount of funds for shipping containers that are turned into barbershops, yeah. which are for the homeless, yeah. to cut for the homeless in these and they're all over at the moment. They've been in Sydney, they've been in Brisbane, they've been in Melbourne, and they're going to different places and raising different amounts of funds. And they're doing it to two girls who are in partnership um, in uh, Jack Reed Barbershop, but also in their personal lives as well. And these girls are just phenomenal. And yeah. and and from look, working with those guys and doing an article with those guys, and I thought, yeah, I'm going to get it on with, with us guys here in the UK. And I wanted to do that. And Jackie went, yeah, no problem. So all the article was done and everything. Article went in. Amazing. And then I got this, uh, I got this contact the other night, which was, I can't even tell you how it made me feel. It stopped me, stopped me in the tracks. Yeah. And I got a message on Instagram and it was from a girl who, I've not spoke to her a lot, but I've, I've supported her and posted her work. She's in North Carolina. And um, I spoke to her a couple of times, very briefly. And anyway, just out of the blue, she messaged me. And she said, Ruby, hey, it's Ash. Hey, Ash, you all right, yeah? I just want to mention something to her. She said, I just want to let you know, really, that those guys that are in your magazine, you know, in Europe, in Europe. Europe, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 in <laughs> Europe, uh, that are cutting hair for the homeless. So I said, oh, yeah, haircuts for homeless. She said, 
Well, I've started, I've set up a community centre, in the community centre here in my, in my community where I'm doing haircuts for homeless people in my own community on a Thursday. Yeah. And I was like, it stopped me, Stuart. It, it, honestly, it stopped me because I thought, how phenomenal yeah. is that? Because through what you guys are doing here in the UK, from me contacting Jackie, working with Jackie and yourself, having that article in there and getting that out there and across the publication that's travelled all the way across to North Carolina. Yeah. And the girls looked at it and gone, that's completely inspired me. And she's gone out to do it in her own community. And you know what? Uh, if this could happen more and more yeah. across other areas, other corners of the globe, I would actually quite happily sit here and go, you know, my work here is done. Yeah. Because for me, it's, it's all about giving back. And if you are in a, if you are in a position where you're in a privileged position, and I don't mean driving around in a Ferrari, no. okay, and owning a mansion. That's not privileged, okay? Yeah. That's just a different level, all right? But if you are working and you're earning money and you can put food on your table, yeah. okay, and you can clothe yourself and you can afford your rent and you can afford your gas, your electricity, your bills, you can feed your family and your pets, you're privileged, yeah. very much so. And there are lots of people out there that have got not even, uh, not even close to that, not even, not even anywhere near that. You know, some people who say they're homeless are not, Stuart, at the end of the day, and I do know they're not. Yeah. But there are other people that are genuinely, genuinely homeless, yeah. and they're sat there just wanting a bit of money for a coffee. Yeah. And 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 if we can be in that privileged position as barbers, yeah. that we can give them something that's going to make them feel good. Because yeah. they're living on the street. They've not, they, don't, they don't go home and go in the shower and wash the hair and put a bit of conditioner on it, uh. go to bed and, and have a bit of a pamper, you know, and, and, and feel clean. They, they, they don't get that privilege. And, and for me, it's like, the hair's just growing and growing and growing. And for yeah. some of them, it's like, when was the last time they went to a barber and sat in a chair? And if they did turn up at a barber's because they've got a bit of cash in the pocket, lots of barber's would look at them and turn them away, Stuart, I think. That does happen. I've, I've had that. Yeah. I've had, I remember a young guy I saw in, um, in London. He was in uh, St. James's and it, he... He explained to me he had got a really bad scalp, right? And it was bad. It was really bad scalp. Um, yeah. But his mum, he, he weren't, you know, he, he was living in a hostel, but he's in contact with his mum and she took him to get a haircut in a barber's. Yeah. And they made such a, such a big scene about how bad his scalp was that he left. Right. Uh, and it took me a long time for, when, for him to let me cut his hair. It's all really... Yeah. Because yeah. it, all it was was his scalp, you know. Yeah. yeah. And I managed to get him some. I got. I managed to get hold of some stuff for him. So the next time I went, I had some stuff for him to for his scalp and all that. 
But yeah. it's just that thing of 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 make it not being aware enough that someone, you know, someone's feelings like that, you know, exactly, exactly. And then even even you know there are even guys that come in the barber shop who have got a head full of psoriasis mm. and they're embarrassed. Mm. They're coming in and they're embarrassed. Yeah. with that skin condition and they're embarrassed and I've had them apologising to me all the way through the haircut I'm so yeah. sorry I'm so sorry yeah. and it's like do you know what please don't don't yeah. apologise that's what we do but when you've got someone who's who, who's homeless as well yeah. and they're not you know they're not able to look after themselves the way that we in us as in a privileged position can do that yeah. and so for me it's literally about if I could touch that globe in all four corners and that more ashes come forward yeah. and say, I've just started to do it as well. And that's why I'm putting her, I'm doing an article with her that's going in the May issue yeah. because I want that story out there. I want it out there loud yeah. and proud because I'd, I'd like other people to get on that as well. Um, I think it's really important that Ooh. we try and look after our communities. Right. The great thing about it is that just we're we're, we're going to wrap up now, but like yeah, after this, I'm <laughs> going to grab a quick sandwich, and then I am I have got I'm recording Ash on the podcast, so oh. this has come about just through you know not only did you give recognition to haircuts for homeless, <laughs> you also gave recognition to what a wonderful person Jackie is, and so yeah. giving um, you know. And, you know, goes out and, you know, it's a big part of a life now, you know. Yeah. And, like, we, we all go, but we all go, I mean, this is, we're recording this the week before we're allowed out again. And, yeah. you know, next week we go to the, you know, can't wait, Whitechapel Mission London. But the one, the following week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm in the north with Jackie and we, we were opening four new, four, reopening four of our projects. Oh, you know, amazing. Reopening ten within the first two weeks. <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> off to Sheffield when I'm there. <laughs> it's like you know, and these people are out there that are willing to just go for it. You know, and, and yeah. I will, after this, I will send you the link to Nicola, our team haircuts from as uh, team leader in South End on Sea. You know, have a listen to that because it, it, it's interesting to hear that the things that a woman barber has to go through when she opens up her barber shop. Right, yeah. The other, yeah. The men don't have to even worry about. You no. Know, right. the, the, the men don't, they don't even think about it, Stuart. No. They don't even think about it. And that, and yeah. that, and hopefully, I mean, the thing is, and I'm very briefly because I'm aware that you've got to wrap up, but this is as, as, an, as an example. I have come up, up against some stick from some people, I'm not going to name names, which is, is absolutely ridiculous. In, in why you want to give me stick for, for yeah. putting out a publication like this. Um, but I, I tell you now, I've done a couple of, I did a recent, probably about a couple of months ago, I did a couple of surveys on my Instagram. I did them for um, the best foils. Um, so there was all, you know, Andis were in there and Babalis were in there and Gamma were in there. And then I did the trimmers and then I did the clippers and I did like these surveys, and the winners, they all the, the, the winners all came in, obviously, on what they'd voted. People had gone on, 
who were all my readers on the publication. And you know, they, they were all men. Yeah. The majority of them were men that had done all the voting, and that's on a female publication. Yeah. So there are men out there <laughs> proper behind it, you know, yeah. and with it and support it, and are like, yes, absolutely. And then you get the others, which are just whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, they're not not even worth bothering you know, about. Don't give them oxygen. But, <laughs> yeah, no. But yeah, send me that link. And yeah. you know what? Thank you for today. It's been yeah. brilliant. It's been a pleasure. Um, <laughs> and what I'd like to do um, around and about as well is is maybe get get to one of your centres and maybe help you out. Yeah, um, well, you know, I mean, that'd be. Yeah. You know, that'd be that'd be great. It'd be so good, Fabian. And if you do, we've sorted out with Jackie and you are there. Hopefully it's when I'm up because, uh, yeah. you know, I want to have a cup of tea with you in person. Yeah. I want to meet yeah, the force of nature that is Ruby. You, you, <laughs> yeah. As she comes, all five foot of Miss Stuart that comes breathing, breathing in and all you see first are these ruby red lips. Yes, it. <laughs> I know that's why she's you, called Ruby now. Yeah, that's all you see first, these great big red lips. Yeah. But I just want to thanks, Ruby, for, you know, thanks for everything you've done so far and I'm sure we'll do lots in the future. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely. It's the start of a... a, a a lovely relationship. A beautiful <laughs> friendship. Absolutely. And, and thank you so much for having me on. I think your podcast is brilliant. I do. I really do. Um, and what you guys do, as I said to you, I really do from my heart and I mean it truly. And you can see me right now, so you know what I'm saying to you. I, I, I really, 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 really do think you got what you guys are doing is absolutely phenomenal. I think it's awesome. And, and I'm I'm absolutely 100% right behind you. And Zero Gap will always, always support you and support your aim and yeah. support your needs and what you're doing. Thank you very much. On that note, you. see you Take again. Take it easy. See, see you again, Stuart. Take care. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Just over five years ago, I did something that changed my life. What it did, more than I could have ever realised, it helped me. I have met some absolutely amazing people, some of the people that work in some of these places. Many of them are volunteers, but some of them, it is their job. This is more than a job, this is a calling.